This is Blood and Firewater, a true crime comedy discussion type podcast. We shoot tequila and we chase it with a case of murder. Just as a disclaimer, this podcast contains mature content not suitable for all ages. So listener's discretion is advised. I am your host Rashad and I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning into the show. We promise not to be insensitive to the victims and respect their families. However, we will poke fun at other persons, places, and things involved with the case. And we will keep our opinions based on the facts of the case. We're not professionals, and we don't pretend to be. That's cool. Are you like trying to like do the long dreads again? No, I'm not going. I'm not going to do long anymore. Like I'll, I'll probably stop at shoulder. I like my original plan was to stop at shoulder length. Okay. And then it got down here to my belly button. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is shit. getting out of hand. So I had to. Uh, I barely even recognized you when you cut it all off. I was like, what who's that said. guy? That's what everybody said. And then I had to reinvent myself. Like, so I was a guy that wore hat. I never wore hats before. So, like, okay. I cut my hair and I was like extremely insecure. So like, cause like your hair, your hair, like imagine you woke up the next morning and all your hair was gone. I would wear a hat. You would wear, or a bandana. Or a bandana. You would yeah. be like one of those yeah. cancer patients walking, <laughs> walking around. Yep. Just like, you, the, everybody's going to think you're sick. Yeah, obviously. Like if you yeah. wear a bandana and you're a girl, like you're sick. And I, you know, it's a common even, misconception. And that's even like when you don't wear makeup too. Like, there's been an instance where, like, when I was a server, I didn't wear, like, makeup, and they're just like, Lauren, are you feeling okay? I'm just like... Damn. It's well, kind of fucked up, though. Right? You know? It's just like, all right, now I need to wear makeup all the time. It's like, I'm not pretty enough to be in yeah, this Walmart right? or something. <laughs> but, like, I... I don't know. I, I was, like, stupid insecure about it, and then I started wearing hats a lot, and then people were like... They just didn't recognize me, and it was weird... So it was kind of like, oh, this is a fresh start. It is, but like, so they're not you used still, to it. I didn't feel good about it. So that was like, I could care what the fuck other people thought. I was like, I don't like this. But then, like, did you like look at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, you know what? I look pretty good with this. I mean, I, I've, I've lived without dreads before. So it was like, you know, kind of going back to when I was in high school. There you go. So it was... Got all the ladies. And I didn't get all the ladies. I got. I didn't get all chunk. the ladies. <laughs> you got a good chunk, and you're just like, all right. <laughs> I got a good chunk. <laughs> but um, it was, it was more or less making my more of making myself feel comfortable. So like, people just like started naturally assuming like, that's Rashad, and like which one, the one with the hat on. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, I got you. Because like I never like I have the largest hat collection I've ever had now than I've ever, like, in my 32 years of life. So. Do you wear, like, do you wear a hat at work or anything? Yeah. I, as long as that hat says something about Coca-Cola on it, I'm good. All right. So. That's that. Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome to Blood and Firewater. <laughs> I'm your host, Rashad. Over here is Lauren. Hello, everybody. We're about to talk about something extremely awful. So if <laughs> if you have any that. trigger warnings, I suggest you just probably skip this episode. It's um, that bad. It's got it's got rape in it. It's got murder in it. Yeah, those people that have a PTSD. Yeah, if if 
for if for whatever reason you're like a little squeamish, you might just want to skip this episode. Or you know what? Maybe not because they maybe they can learn something from it. Yeah, because that's why they're listening to learn something. Of course, from. something to talk about, and also too to just make sure to lock your doors. I don't know. The, there's that's the one thing in this case that did not happen was a locked door, oh. and as you'll find out later, they should have locked the door. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking about who you think I'm talking about. It's crazy. Yeah, we'll just go. We'll just do this. You know, like the that song. It's like one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, you better shut the door. It sounds familiar. I I can't say I've ever recanted it like you but you know um that's like in a movie isn't it it is yeah i forgot what movie it is but i just remember back probably in freddy krueger i think it was either freddy krueger versus jason possibly or it was just freddy krueger like doing his like original films it just all depends i i we could google that or someone else can google that and refresh our memories and i don't know so this case is the hi-fi murder case i know you've never heard of it no absolutely no clue Nope. don't even know Going where we're blindfolded blindfolded okay what was the name of that movie fuck what was the name of it was with sandra bullock and she had the fucking blindfold bird box or bird. oh yes you're going you're bird going to bird call? was it bird call no it was not bird call it was bird box because they kept the bird in a box. Yes, yeah. So you're about the bird boxes thing. I'm excited about it. Good luck. On the evening of April 22nd, 1974, a new employee named Sherry Mitchell Ansley was in the midst of learning how to work at the Hi-Fi record shop in downtown Ogden, Utah. You know where Utah is, right? I do not. What? Okay. It's I, I, in I the United the States. Geography, so. it, we're, all right. Think, I know it's in the United States. What name one state that borders Utah? Clock's ticking. I want to say like. Please. 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 Okay. Utah, bur- <laughs> okay, I'm going Utah borders this. New Jersey. Okay. So we're in Utah right next to New Jersey. Okay. Isn't it? Okay. I'm going to have to get a map out. I can't. Yeah, you do. I can't. Like I this. said, I sucked at geography. I literally, no joke, I barely passed that class with a D minus at, at college. All right. The only thing I enjoyed about like taking that class was doing the maps. Like we got to like. You enjoy doing it. maps and you couldn't find Utah? No. There's Utah. Oh, next to Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you $10 if you can tell me the capital of Utah. You only get one guess. Is it Helena? No. Damn it. Salt Lake City. <laughs> what formerly, Not even close. What was formerly Great Salt Lake City, but then they were like, that's a lot of words, so we'll just shorten it to Salt Lake City. Little known geography fact for you geography fans not like lauren because (laughs) she was a fan of maps and i was like we like for extra credit and you know just for you know school homework like all you had to do is like label it color it and 
you missed the entire West Coast then. I did. I, did. I just enjoyed coloring. It just brought me back to like when I was a kid and you know, like got your coloring books. And... Yeah. Your coloring books? What grade were you in? No, I'm just, I'm just saying in general. Like when your grandparents or your aunts and uncles used to give you coloring books for Christmas and you used to color in them with your crayons. And... I can't say I've ever gotten a color book for Christmas. Really? Uh, what that... about birthday or Thanksgiving? Mm -hmm. I got them in, like, Happy Meals and stuff. You haven't lived, Rashad. After we get done here, you should just go buy a coloring book and just start coloring. They make coloring books for adults. They do. And I bought, um, who did I buy? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I bought one for myself. It was like, it was like one of those things where it's paint by numbers. Oh, yeah, But it was yeah. like, uh, like a Van Gogh painting. Yes. So, like, I, I think I, I did the exactly Starry Night one. That's really it, cool. It didn't come out like the one. <laughs> but... You know, thirty dollars later, I figured out not to do that again. So, yeah, that, it gets pretty pricey. I'll just start over. We'll, we'll just start over. Let's I can start plug over. all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the evening of April twenty second, nineteen seventy four, a new employee named Sherry Michelle Ansley was in the midst of learning how to work at the High Five Record Shop in downtown Ogden, Utah. She was eighteen and had her whole life ahead of her. She was engaged, and the date was set for August fifth of that year. Oh. Yeah. Working at a record shop, I'd imagine there'd be a learning curve, especially in 1974. The first record store to ever open was in 1894, so a little less okay. than, you know, 70 years. I would still work or a little more than 70 years, I'm sorry. Where they sold Thomas Edison's invention, the phonograph. Yeah, it's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. Okay. Uh, they sold. They also sold the shellac discs that they recorded on and other replacement parts. By the 30s, the first record player that was capable of playing LPs or long plays okay. was sold and the record store was relatively a new science in 1974. So imagine, you know, someone said, hey, have you heard that new whatever? And they're like, no, how the hell did you hear that? And like, I got a fucking record player in my right? house. Like, yeah. you're going over to that dude's house. I'm not that old, okay? Record stores aren't that old. Like, it's just a... It's crazy, though. Do you remember Sam Goody? No. Okay. Sam Goody was a, a store in the mall, at Haywood Mall. Okay. And um, they sold records. Not a lot of people knows that. I... Not a lot of people knows. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> But they sold records, and it was so traditionally cool. a record store. But then they started with the CDs. Then they were like, well, shit, we got to sell toys now, and then T-shirts, and then just shit just on the walls and posters and, and all that. Yeah. So with all that being said, Sam Goody was a record store in the beginning. So for all you young kids out there who've never seen a record, a vinyl record, was about 12 inches high. It was black. Yeah. And if you put this needle on the record, <laughs> yep. it played music. So there, there's your history lesson of the record store, the record player. Yeah, because the record player that I have currently, like it's, it's like a built-in stereo too. Right, it's got a Bluetooth and all that shit. Yeah. And also, no, mine, mine was a actual fucking record. No, player. I know exactly what you're talking about. I wish I had one of those bad boys. But hey, you can go to thrift stores and get like records, which is really cool. Giving her the ins and outs about the job as this was her first week on the job. 
Very important. Okay, uh, obviously, yeah. Was her manager, Stanley Orrin Walker, a 20-year-old, three-year military veteran. So April 22nd, they had a busy day for the they had a busy day for the two, but they managed to handle the crowds. And a 16-year-old kid named Byron Nesbitt pops in and asks Stanley if he could use one of his parking spaces to run an errand around town. And Stanley obliges. He also steals a look at his secret crush, Sherry. Sherry is the girl that just started working there. Like he had a crush on her. So he's like, hey. hey. 556, two vans pull in front of the hi-fi shop. A group of African-American males got out and walked into the hi-fi shop while one of the drivers stayed behind. Okay, so if I was Stanley, the manager, okay. I'd be thinking, is that the Jackson 5 that just walked in here? <laughs> With the afros. With the afros and all that shit. You're like, five black guys walk into a store, a record store. You're like, that's Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? Yes. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're ready to party. Right? <laughs> These were not Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh. These were not the Jackson 5, and they weren't interested in buying records at all. Way to disappoint me, Rashad. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> Stanley was the only one of two people working on the sales floor. Sherry was downstairs in the basement ladies' room. Stanley asked the gentleman if they would kindly put their pistols away, and they responded with pistol-whipping him and dragging him behind the store counter. By the time the men realized that they had not locked the door, well, because this is a robbery, yeah. Byron came back into the shop to thank Stanley for letting him use the spot, but also to get a, another look at Sherry, right? Right. Bad timing. Extremely bad timing. Robbing a store. Let me just look at you real quick. So a pistol whip or two later, <laughs> Sherry comes back up the stairs to finish up the work day, and she spots all of the black guys in the record store. So maybe she was thinking the Isley Brothers are in town. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You're telling me the Temptations are here right now? Like these are all five black guy groups oh, I named man. in this. I love the Temptations too. Ugh. If I could just live in that era, it'd be so nice. I, I, I was meant for the 60s. Well, it wasn't until she spotted her manager, Stanley, and her secret admirer, Byron, bleeding back behind the counter that she realized what was going down. And she was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Two of the men quickly overtake Sherry, and they're all forced down into the basement of the High Five record store at gunpoint. They were... Then bound by their ankles and wrists with electrical tape and laid on the floor face down. So the men began to rob the store, load the van, and drive off, right? Not right. What happened? It's presumed that the other men at this time are loading up the vans with merchandise from the store, taking it to another location, and then coming back to load more. When it's all said and done, the men stole about $24,000 worth of merchandise from the Hi-Fi record shop. a lot of freaking money. Let's do the math right now. Hold on. Yeah, it would be about $125,000 worth of merchandise today. Which is still not a lot. That's like, what, 20, 30 iPads? Yeah, but it's still a lot of money. It's like, not 20, me, 30 iPads. To me, it's a lot like, of $1,000 is a lot of money. You know? That's, that's cute. <laughs> How much money do you think is a lot of money? $50,000. That's where it starts. That's where a lot of money starts to me. 
fifty grand. Yeah, between like a thousand to five thousand is like my range. Like that's, that's you're like what? Right? What? I I believe. That's cute. That's so cute. I remember when I was how old are you? Twenty two. Six. Twenty. Oh, I was cute. That's cute. <laughs> what we do know is that the survivors of the ordeal could hear footsteps from above while being held down in the basement, captive by you know the other guys loading the trucks. In all of the events that have transpired, one really key element that had the potential to actually save lives is flipping the open sign to closed and locking the front door. Or maybe just having a lookout, man. You know? Do they have that? No, they don't. So they're literally, there's five men that just are just loading their truck constantly with stuff and then leaving and coming back. The bell on the door rings and in comes Stanley's father, Oren William Walker. He just so happened to be passing by and thought he might offer his son a ride home after the store closed. What was just a simple robbery has now turned into a complicated kidnapping. The kidnappers got Stanley to call his father down to the basement as if it couldn't get any worse for anyone involved. Carol Nesbitt, Byron's mother, comes into the store because she saw her son's car parked out front. After a couple steps into the record store, Carol knew something was wrong. She turned to leave. But she was ins- she was escorted to unconsciousness by a punch to the face, and now by now one of the robbers slash kidnappers. So you got Sherry or Michelle, whichever one you want to whichever one you want to call it. You got Stanley, the manager. Then you got Stanley's dad is down there. Yeah. Then you got Byron. Then you got Byron's mama that's down there. Yeah. Five people. That's a lot of people to. Account for, like, it, w- put yourself in the same position. Like, you're robbing a store. You're like, hey, yeah. not not finger gun, but a real gun. Like, right, yeah. I'm robbing the store. Go down to the basement, and then you got people just coming in. Coming in. in. So, like, like, so, do they rob the place during the day? Yeah, it was, then, it was like 5, 30, 6 o'clock. See, why didn't they just rob the place, like, as soon as, like, when they're closed? You know how easier that would have been? What? That's crazy. All because... Right. They probably didn't do that because the safe would be locked and there would be nobody there to open the safe. Gotcha. That's just me thinking. I don't know anything about robbing people. Are you sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> but if I was going to rob a store, I want to make sure there's a key holder there so that he can open the safe. Or what they, what they could have done is just like eyeballed the store as it closed. And then well, like it was about to close. Them. That's the thing about it. It was about to close. And then like all these people coincidentally was like, Let's let's pop in real quick because we know the fucking owners, and yeah, that's how they were all wound up down in the basement, tied up by, <laughs> tied up with fucking electrical tape. Once all five of the people were in the basement, the ringleader sent out one of his accomplices to the van to retrieve a brown paper bag. He told the kidnapped that it was vodka and German sleeping pills. He poured the drink into a cup and told Orrin to serve it to everyone. All well and good, considering the circumstances. Maybe take a drink, pass out, forget this ever happened. No, Mm-mm. I wouldn't. The concoction was not vodka and sleeping pills. What was it? It was Drano. No shit. What happens when you drink drain cleaner? Let's what just happens? let's just say it's not pretty. And I'll tell you in Please a little do. in a little chemistry lesson here. Okay. Ingesting drain cleaner 
even just a little bit will result in severe chemical burns in the mouth and stomach because of the sodium hydroxide and the sulfuric acid. Oh, it's just making my stomach turn and just like hearing that. Acid. Yeah. Sodium hydroxide or lye for short, it will burn out your esophagus, then your stomach, melting your liver, colon, and large intestine. And if you're lucky enough to survive and stop the damage, the doctors can attach your small intestine to your throat and you can live the rest of your life near a bathroom, pooping every 15 minutes. Ugh. Literally. That's exactly what happens. So if you have little ones, lock those kitchen cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> right? Lye has been used by criminals to melt bodies such as in the Breaking Bad bathtub hydrofluoric yeah. acid trick yep. or more traditionally used in the process of in the process of making soap, i.e. Fight Club. Sulfuric acid decomposes proteins and skin tissue upon contact and expels extreme heat causing thermal burns to skin and flesh. The damage done to internal organs is irre uh, irreversible and can be fatal. Yeah, it's fucking fatal. Obviously. <laughs> it, it basically dehydrates your body while setting it on fire from the inside. So, There's no putting this out. So what color is the Drano? Blue? I think Drano is blue. So they're convincing these people that it's vodka? Mm-hmm. Well, at first fucking whiff, I'm going to be like, that's not vodka, bro. That is <laughs> well, Drano. I smell, so it's just like... Oh, yeah, you're fucked. Well... <laughs> you're like... No, mm. no, I'm not because, like, I know vodka's clear, so I'd be like, all right, this is some blue shit. No, I don't care if you can't smell or, or not. You're going to know that's fucking Drano. As soon as it touches your lip and it sets your whole mouth on fire. You're right. You're going to be like, that's not vodka. I but know vodka. At the same time, in that situation, I'd probably die. Because like, if I'm freaking out and this like dude offers me some vodka, or telling me it's vodka, I'm probably going to drink it and I'm going to die. More than likely, yes. Uh, I would be that dumbass, and then people can look at it and be like, okay, that bitch died, so I'm not going to drink that. <laughs> so let's hear about some people that did drink it. Oh, After no. the kidnap began to drink what they believed was vodka and sleeping pills, one at a time, their lips began to immediately blister, the skin around their mouth began to melt, and they dropped to the floor screaming and convulsing. I'm not done. The remaining two victims refuse to drink this concoction, and this is when the kidnappers decide to force it down their throats, duct tape their mouths shut to muffle <gasps> the screams no. of agony. Were their hands? I gave you a trigger warning. No, were their hands tied behind their back? With yes. Tape? Yes. So they had. They, they were sat up like it. this. No. They could. Oh my god! Ah, that is so horrible. Much like everything else in this case that has gone right, which is nothing. The duct tape would not stick to their mouths because of, well, the Drano blisters. So, <laughs> the Drano blisters. Okay, so Stanley's father was the last to get the Drano treatment, but for the sake of self-preservation, Orrin Walker faked the symptoms of drinking the chemicals by copying what everyone else was doing and letting it sort of flow from his mouth without ingesting. It still burned. It still burned his face the fuck up, but he didn't he drink didn't swallow it. it. Yeah. Swallow it. Smart. He did drink some, but not as much as everybody else for sure. So things are getting messy. They're getting loud. The hostages are taking too long to die because these 
geniuses got this idea from a movie they saw. It was it was called Magnum something. I'll look it up before we end this episode. But these idiots got this idea from a TV uh, a movie where they saw a prostitute drink Drano. She's like, uh, uh, and then just died. They were like, that's the truth. That's we- Hollywood, dude. That's so stupid. That's what that that's <sighs> the premise for why they were like get the Drano and. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what happened. So things are getting messy. They're getting loud, to say the least. The hostages are taking too long to keel over from the Drano. They're screaming from the pain. So the robbers decide to speed up this, their appointment at the pearly gates and issued one shot to the back of the head of Carol, Byron, and Stanley. Stanley's father, Orn, is the last to be shot in the head, but the first shot misses, and the second shot that is fired only grazed the back of his head. So... I wonder how far he was when he shot people. It was heads. pitch dark in the basement, from okay. what I've heard. So, like, right. you would see like a muzzle fire, a muzzle blast, right? And that's about it. Like they were, they were going for the full Monty of like terrible shit. Like they had two paths to take on this robbery: rob the store, don't rob the store. They took the fucking psychopath. And was like, let's kill everybody. Right? Yeah. So they had five people in the basement. Why not? Sherry is then taken into a storeroom closet where she is forced to undress at gunpoint. She's brutally raped repeatedly for over 30 minutes. She was then escorted back to the hostages naked and then shot in the back of the head. So after they had sex with her, she got shot. It wasn't sex. Sex. Sex is, uh, what do you call it? Consensual. You call it you're rape right. when... So, you know, you're right. That she didn't want it. So, yeah. After she got raped, she got shot in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm done with you, bitch. Bang, bang. From what I've read in the news article... That is so awful. Oh. He raped her for 30, you know, 20, 30 minutes. He let her use the bathroom. She's like, oh, I'm trying to be friends with you, rapist slash kidnapper slash robber. And then he's like, let me take you back over to these people. And then, bang. So, finding that Orn, Stanley's father, was still alive after two attempted gunshots to the head, the kidnappers attempt to strangle him, and when that doesn't work, they insert a ballpoint pen into his ear. They then stomp the pen three times until the pen completely ruptured his eardrum, traveling through his ear canal, and then punctured him through the throat. Ah. He's still alive, though. No, he's not. Yeah, he After all that he, shit? Yeah, I don't know if he still is now. But, so, yeah. I, I want to know, like, when they shot him, did they run out of bullets? There was... I was thinking about that, too. Carol, Brian, Sherry... Stanley. Stanley got shot. Carol, Brian, Sherry, Stanley, and then the two missed shots. That's six bullets. So, presumably a revolver since it's 1974. They don't have, like, right. you know, Glock 18s or nothing like that. And then what did they, they did the ball point pen? They stuck like, a pen in his ear and stomped on it. What did they do before that? They tried to strangle, strangle him. him. Yeah. Once the mayhem is finished, the robbers slash kidnappers slash rapists slash murderers return upstairs to finally finish robbing the store. They load the van with $37 worth of money from the store safe and they're off. $37. Oh, I was about to say, like, oh, damn. In today's money, that would be equivalent to $194,000. Oh, wow. 
the robbers slash kidnappers slash rapists slash murderers, made sure to leave something out front and on the sales floor and lock the door so that nothing would look amiss as they hoped the bodies wouldn't be discovered until the following day. They they locked the bot they locked the store up, they locked the bodies up. Nobody's gonna find them until tomorrow, right? Right. Wrong. Three hours <laughs> later, Stanley Walker's brother and mother stopped by the high five record shop to find the doors locked. So they went around back where they heard noises coming from the basement. You remember that guy that got that pen stuck in his yes. head? He's making noise. Yes. Go Orin. Seriously. Okay, go ahead. The brother <laughs> kicks the back door down while the mother left to call the police. The brother discovers the deceased bodies of Stanley, Cheryl, Carol, Cheryl, Carol, Cheryl, Carol. The brother discovers the deceased bodies of Stanley, Sherry, Carol. Byron survived, but had very, very severe brain damage that would be deemed irreparable. And Orrin, he also survived with extensive burns to the mouth and chin, as well as damage to the ear caused by the the yeah the pen yeah after the massacre hit the newspapers tips began to roll in and one tip in particular came from the hill air force base from an anonymous air forceman in utah he heard a man named william andrews talking about how he was going to rob the hi-fi one day and murder everyone inside after police tracked the tip back to hill air force base south of the city that following day two kids dumpster diving for bottles to resell, found IDs, purses, and wallets of the, vic- of the victims in a dumpster near Hill Air Force Base and turned them in because they recognized the pictures from the victims on TV. You know, they showed... Good. No, that's so, such a great feeling. After police showed up to retrieve the evidence from the dumpsters, a crowd of military personnel came to see what was going on, and detectives noticed two airmen becoming more and more agitated by their presence. One airman's name was Dale Selby Pierre. He was 21 at the time of the crime. He was born and raised in Trinidad, and he moved to Brooklyn at the age of 17. After living in Brooklyn for a while, he uh, transfers to the United States Air Force in September of 1973 at Hill Air Force Base as a helicopter mechanic and then almost immediately after transferring to the Air Force Base in October 5th of 1973 he was a prom suspect in the murder of Edward Jefferson an Air Force surgeon an Air Force sergeant at Hill Air Force Base although police lacked a lot of evidence to file charges against him at the time of the Hi-Fi murders, Pierre was out on bail from a car theft in Salt Lake City. So, Pierre had, like, history as far as being, like, retarded. Not retarded, I'm sorry. As being crazy. Period. Like, you, you would almost see this kind of guy as the guy who was the muscle in a situation. He was just, like, crazy. It was just like, I'll, I'll okay. do whatever the fuck you tell me to do. Let's do it. Because he was completely fucking nuts. William Andrews was characterized as the mastermind. It was William Andrews' entire plan. He, he joined the Air Force at 19 
during that time, like he was, he was like, you know, a all American type guy. But once he made friends with uh, Dale Pierre, people started to like shun him a little bit. Like they were like, "Hey, you're hanging out with this crazy dude. We don't, we can't really fuck with you like that." Because <laughs> you hanging out with this crazy dude, it makes us look bad. You know, like it's like a high school mentality in the military. Like you don't hang out with the crazy guy because if you hang out with the crazy guy, now you're the they crazy th- guy's yeah. friend. And, and they think that you're crazy. Yeah, I'm not crazy. She's <laughs> I'm not crazy. He's crazy. So among a mostly silent crowd, the two men, Pierre and Andrews, were reported talking very loudly, pacing, just looking suspect as fuck. Like and those They're were like, the two that poisoned. Those were the guys. So the detectives decided that they would over-dramatize the situation, announcing all of the evidence that they got from the dumpsters to the crowd of airmen just standing around to entice the men of coming forward as if they knew anything that would help solve the case. So they were like in the dumpsters and were like, We found this! ID with fingerprints on it. And then yeah. those guys were like, man, come on, man. Like, <laughs> these... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how people talked in the 70s, but I'm imagining it's just like, come on, hey, job, man. turkey. <laughs> these Cracker Jacks don't know nothing about finding these evidence. bad mamma jammas. <laughs> yeah, these bad mamma jammas. That's just what I picture. I don't know. I could no, be I, no, I, I got you. Later identified as William Andrews and Dale Selby Pierre, the two airmen were later arrested due to, their, due to their reactions while detectives were there and the phone tip implicating Andrews to the murders. You remember that phone tip I talked about? Yep. They were talking about him. The man waiting outside in the van was later identified as Keith Roberts and he was picked up about a week later. A search warrant is issued for uh, Barracks. 351 and at Andrew and Selby's bunk they find an advertisement for the high five record store and on the back of the paper is a list of other record stores so it's presumably that they had the intention to hit more than one record store I don't know why they were so obsessed but this with one like took so long and then they had more people coming yeah, in like, they obviously didn't think this one through nope Police also find a contract for a storage unit. A search of the storage unit is done, and they find out that the storage unit is rented by William Andrews, and it revealed all of the stereo equipment with the matching serial numbers of the items missing from the store. Panties belonging to Sherry Ansley and half a bottle of Drano. Ask me why they kept the Drano. Why do they keep the Drano? I don't know. I I really don't know. But, and ask me why they decided to dump the wallets and the purses in a trash can right next to the military base. Why did they... I don't know. It's stupid. It's so stupid. Like, they, they obviously had no plan, no plot, no ending, no beginning. Like, they just fucked the bed this entire... They just thought that the trash is like the solution. 
Exactly. Just dump everything there. It'll go away eventually. No one's going to find this. Within 24 hours of the discovery of the evidence, Pierre and Andrews were arrested and formally charged with the first-degree murder and aggravated robbery. The getaway driver, Keith Roberts, was only charged with armed robbery. Okay, whatever. In trial, the surviving victims would go on to say that there were five black guys that came into Hi-Fi that day. But the court ruled that a gunshot to the head may make you think differently. You get shot in the head, like, you might see seven black guys, ten black guys. You don't know. The official don't. don't. The official. I said you don't. <laughs> <The> <laughs> you don't know how many you're going to see. No. The official police report stated that six black men driving two vans committed the robbery. I thought there was five. We don't know. Like, you, you when you see a group of black Jackson guys, when you see a black guy, a group of black guys, you don't, you're not counting them. You just see a bunch of them. True or false? Exactly. <laughs> Roberts and another man remained in the cars, and two others loaded the vans while Pierre and Andrews tortured, raped, and killed the other victims. However, detectives only had enough evidence to convict Pierre. Andrews, and Roberts. Ogden Police Department officer Delroy White, who was a detective when he worked on the case, observed, quote, Andrews was the brains behind the whole ordeal, the one who organized it. Pierre was the enforcer. On November 16, 1974, Pierre was convicted of three counts of first-degree murder and two counts of aggravated robbery of the Hi-Fi crimes. On November 20th, 1974, he was given three death sentences, one for each of the murder victims. Good. While in prison, Pierre changed his name 27 times, (laughs) reportedly to protect his family name from notoriety, finally settling on Dale Pierre Selby, simply transpositioning his middle first and last names. After exhausting his appeals, Pierre was executed by a lethal injection on August 28, 1987, at the age of 34. Pierre would be the first person to be executed by a lethal injection. Before then, Utah used the, the old tried-and-true firing squad and hanging method. Before you ask, they still, <laughs> they still have a firing squad. It's 2020. It was me ago, because I was born in 1987 when they first started using the lethal injection. Like, the day I was, the, the year I was born was the year they started using the lethal injection. Before that, they just, like, threw rocks at you until you died. So there's that. Dale Selby Pierre said to no one in particular, moments before his execution, that, quote, I'll be glad when this is over, unquote. When asked if he had any final words, he responded, quote, thank you, I'm just going to say my prayers, unquote. Andrews was executed by lethal injection on July 30th, 1992, at the age of 37, after 18 years on death row. The court found that Keith Roberts, then 19, had no role or no knowledge of the murders. He was, however, convicted of two counts of aggravated robbery and sentenced to five years to life. Roberts was paroled on May 12, 1987 after nearly 13 years in prison and moved to Chandler, Oklahoma to live with relatives. 
I told you this was a rough case. It really was. It, it broke my heart a couple times. Like, you kind of had to... Uh. Reposition myself and, like, prepare... <laughs> He's like, please this, don't let this No, seriously, work. like you like every time like you say this is a bad case, I'm like, this is probably number one. Mm-hmm. I I told you hard. this was this one was hard. It really was. Like the rape, the Drano. <laughs> the Drano, yeah. The the pin shoved in that what yeah. was it, uh Orion? After two two gunshot wounds to the head. Dude's and, a sur- survivor. And I'm then he a got survivor. Out. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> it. It was rough. So as far as our reviews go, um, we have a couple. Really? Yeah, we That's do. Awesome. We have some great ones. Here we go. Uh, Care sixteen ninety one says, "I'm a few episodes in, and first let me say, Rashad's voice is so calming and enjoyable to listen to while he tells a story." I love their interaction with each other, their ability to tell a story, and much, much more. I highly recommend. So, thank you, Care1691. Thank you. appreciate it. Bylosar. <laughs> Bylosar? I want to say, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm slaughtering that. That might be someone's real name. I don't know. But okay. This is, I'm all in. I'm in. I personally haven't been much of a true crime person, but this podcast definitely has me on board. It's absolutely in my rotation. Keep up the amazing work. So thank you, Bylosaur. DM me if I'm not saying that right. You you know where to find me. Instagram, Twitter. Help me help you. Jennifer G1234 says, Love this. Wow. I'm only two episodes in and this is one of my new favorites. Yay. These two have such a way of telling sto- of storytelling and adding humor into their stories. I can't wait to hear more. And we can't wait to give you more. Jennifer G1234. Hell yeah. CCRGirl61 says, As what? Question mark, question mark. Three stars. Three stars. Oh, damn. Tell Laura to read a history book. All right. First of all, my name's Lauren. Yep. That's, that is your name, yeah. But you know what? She's right. I don't... I, I, I was never good at history. I mean, who is? History is written by the winners. You know? Yeah, but you know what the thing is? Like, me asking these questions, clearly I don't know a lot about history, but the people that won't ask these questions, I'm helping them out. Exactly. You're, you're asking questions for the people that can't speak for themselves. You, exactly. you are the unsung hero. So well, thank you for that. Because, like, I, I've always been the kid. Like, if I don't understand something, I'm the first person to raise my hand and be like, I don't understand this. Please explain this to me, and let's get to the bottom of this. CCR Girl 61, we appreciate your review yes, anyway. Yes, thank you. But, you know, it, thank you for bringing it to the man- management's attention. Yeah, because, like, hey, we got to take criticism, and, hey, Gotta learn from it. And our last review comes from my Yelp nickname. Great, great, great name. I'm sorry. Um, informative and entertaining. Awesome show. Are you Rashad Jones, the football player? No, what? I am. I am not. <laughs> not to shit on our overseas reviews. I just realized that I could find those. So on the next episode, we will make a valiant effort to read all of our overseas reviews 
I'm so sorry that I just didn't know I could find those. So now that I know, there you, go. you will be heard. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sakes. So yeah, I, I I definitely appreciate all the reviews we got, good or bad. It lets us know how we're doing as a show. It helps us get better. Absolutely. If you ever want to just reach out to us, please feel free to email me personally at bloodandfirewaterpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Blood and Fire Water Podcast or Twitter at BFW Pod Squad. Are you sure? Uh, so, like 2020, it's a new year, fresh start. Rashad, I got to ask you, bud, what's your New Year's resolution? Well, my, my New Year's resolution was to um, be more transparent, to be more visible because I'm, I'm kind of a recluse. You know what I mean? I'm a kind of a homebody. I am too. So like That's all good. to be more active and you know, people see me for who I really am is like a main goal. Because I there am a very bright person. You are. I'm very smart. I'm very like, you know, intellectual, articulate, all these great things. It's just like I don't talk to people. I don't have any friends. Like, you know, my my closest friends are my Twitter groups, shout out to Morbidology, True Crime Lab, Murder and More, Brew Crime, all these guys that I just talk to on a daily basis. Those are my those are my friends right now. That's beautiful. So, you know, by the way, if you haven't heard any of their podcasts, please be sure to go out and listen to them right now. We are also working on a patreon where we're going to put bonus episodes uh bloopers um what else bloopers bloopers. bonus episodes uh uncut episodes also um just just rants rants and raves like i feel like that's that's something yeah that's that's like that's that's, that's our palate cleanser. <laughs> like if you want to hear our palate cleansers, that's where they'll be because that's what we record after we've done, after we've done, after we've done, after we, <laughs> after we've talked about all these dead people. That's that's where we go to clear the air. So we'll probably name the episodes after whatever it is that we're talking about. Like this one, getting over the 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 trolls because they're out there and we know who you are we'll find you you're gonna hurt our feelings but you know what we get back down and then we get back up again and you're never gonna knock us down (laughs) stay alert and stay alive